Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify. The global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Game Dev Unchained, another game development podcast about game developers and the lifestyle thereof. I am your host, Brandon Pham. And with me, I have two special guests, Dino and Today. How are you guys doing? Hello. We're All good. You. How's it going? Good, good, good. Uh, this is a part of the podcast where I kind of ask you guys to introduce yourself to the listeners and viewers out there of who you are, where you're at. Where you heading? Okay, yeah. So, yeah, my name is Dino Petty. Um, I have been working professionally with tech uh, the last 23 years. I have been professional in games the last 20 years. Um, I'm probably um, best known for my uh, influence in uh, Playdate, which I uh, founded and I ran for almost 10 years. Uh, since then, I created two companies. I created a company called Jumpship, uh, which we actually sold last year to Thunderful, um, and also created Coherence. Awesome. Today. Hey, how's it going? Uh, my name is Tadej Grigorcic. I'm the CTO and co-founder of Coherence. My background is I started uh, in the 90s in the uh, European demo scene, uh, doing low-level code, uh, engine programming, graphics, uh, all sorts of stuff. Uh, and then I uh, I went on to co-found a couple of companies uh, in games and in, in uh, back-end software. I had a startup uh, called SureFone uh, that dealt with real-time technology, games, and telephony that we sold to a telco back in the day. And uh, yeah, now we're here. I love making products. I love doing tech. Awesome. I mean, obviously, you guys are uh, serial uh, studio builders, um, which is a very unique, valuable skill. Can you guys kind of talk about your experience from the first studios you guys built to where you guys are now and the differences and challenges that, that uh, or things that are getting easier? Uh, a little bit of history about that. I can start again. Um yeah, so so we played it. I I was twenty six when I started it, and I was uh, extremely uh, what would you say inexperienced in building companies. And I, I I mean I I I think it was more like we, I did what was needed. I never thought of it that I was an entrepreneur. I was just doing all the shit that needed to get done. Oh, can I say that? Oh yeah. Oh, all day good <laughs> uh, and it was i know i was like i was thought about it as, as like you know the, the the big driver's license you know you got just get thrown out into something uh we got a bit of cash in the beginning we needed uh, like more work to go faster then i hired some people because that's how we when things go you know, made things go faster then we needed more money because you know when you start having people you need more money and then i i kind of like slowly got into all of it and i everything was a learning step everything was me banging my head uh, towards the wall a couple of times reading up learning from people asking around um so yeah like that was kind of my like yeah everything was just had to be invented from scratch uh, i felt i mean 
people with business uh, educations probably have learned a lot of those things, but I didn't come from business. Uh, so it was, yeah, it was very new to me. I, I, and, and again, I, I, I learned, I learned to love it through the, uh, like through the whole process. I was an engineer and I, I loved being a coder before that. And um, I loved, you know, hacking, opening machines and, and finding out, uh, kind of figuring out how computer works. And with this, I, kind of find out it's the same with humans not that you can open up humans legally but more that you can kind of find out what make humans tick and and manage that and put teams together and and hire and 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 all of that um yeah and of course you, you ask how it's different now uh, i mean i think the first time you do it is is clearly the hardest because everything is new um and yeah the second and third time is just all about building that experience. And I, I think not relying too much on it, but kind of standing on, you know, we say, you usually say stand on the shoulders of giants, but you kind of have to look at all that you learned uh, and then learn from, from that point on, because it's, it's, it's new people, it's new processes. Um, and I, I also, I, I did the stupid thing that, uh, I did two game companies and then I jumped to tech and I kind of thought that that would be the same. And in many, many ways, I, I kind of started from the very, very beginning. It was in, in games. I, I, I felt my, I was known and I could pull a lot of that experience and suddenly going to tech, it was a, a lot of things was new again. It was a, like racing was racing funds was felt like starting from scratch um, the whole business model, starting from scratch, games is is very set in the ways you do business. In many ways, uh, we're going to do technology was like very new for me. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, I'm just rambling on. Was that no. an answer to your question? No, no. Uh, I mean, today uh, was the experience similar to yours, or was there any subtle differences that you felt from your first studio yeah, to where you are now? For sure. And something that Dino said uh, just now about having the feeling that you need to build everything from scratch, that really speaks to me because, you know, I'm a coder. I'm uh, from the demo scene. I started making, uh, uh, you know, game engines and uh, graphics engines and all sorts of stuff, everything from scratch. So back in the day, we did it, you know, with x86 uh, assembly. We did it with C and, and uh, we built all these things and it took a real effort uh, to lay the foundations to build anything that could be called a game at some point. And uh, I really loved doing that. Uh, and uh, I did that for a long time, even later when I, when I started my own company, uh, you know, all the software and the clients we had, we, we built everything uh, from scratch. And, but we slowly learned to build on the foundations of what's already there. And then at some point, uh, uh, engines like uh, Unity and Unreal started becoming a reality. And uh, I think, um, you know, for me as a coder in the beginning, it was uh, really a matter of kind of swallowing my pride, actually using somebody else's engine to, to work on something. But then I, you know, you, you slowly discover that what you really care about is the end product. And it doesn't matter uh, if you build the foundations, you're never going to be able to catch up with somebody who's totally focused on, on this. And uh, yeah, slowly but surely, you know, uh, I think this reality is also one of the things that's behind the inspiration of coherence, you know, like uh, why, why build it yourself if, if somebody else can do it better and you can benefit from all that uh, deep experience and knowledge uh, and effort put into it. Mm. And yeah, uh, so I, I also learned a lot from, um, you know, past companies from working with, with, uh, big games and, and, and clients from different industries, building, uh, bu building systems and, and games with, you know, hundreds of millions of users and learning about scale and also not, not only about scale and how to do it technically, but how to do it, you know, like well, what do you have to do socially to get that actually done? Because it's not only about getting machines to work together. It's also about working with people to make sure that these things get uh, the way they should be. Yeah. There's definitely uh, a lot of things you guys are speaking to is like 
as game developers, you talk to any studio founders, they really rarely go to business school. We kind of learn on the fly. I mean, we emphasize a lot of our knowledge and to the craft and then find ourselves in definitely situations that we have to upgrade or just for the necessity to kind of make our projects come to life. Um, and I, from all the interviews from everyone I talk to, that's usually how it happens, kind of learning by failing. <laughs> uh, and it's exciting. And I think that's one of the greatest achievements for from the game industry is just that there's just so much innovation because we don't do things by the norm uh obviously building up studios and the experiences that you guys gone through there's so much elements to it how did you guys balance when building up these studios um to kind of leverage your craft, but also take up these responsibilities of maintaining a studio, uh, which I think often founders are finding themselves sacrificing more on the creative side and, and managing rather than actually rolling up their sleeves and, and putting in the time to, to deliver that first project. So you're talking about like the balance you have in the company uh, between your own craft and managing it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I mean, for, for my sake, I, I kind of threw it out the window really early. <laughs> <laughs> um, I was, I remember in limbo, I remember I was kind of to kind of look a bit for some engines I could build on to build the tech. I just feel like the first coders we got was so much better. And I felt like, you know, either I could kind of keep up with that and, uh, but I felt there was so much on my chair already, like early on, there was so much like just finding funding and new people and making the plans that we had nothing to begin with. And like being the first ones that are coming, like you're always behind on everything. Yeah. You are, you're never, you're never in front, I feel. So you, um, yeah, I so 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 for my sake, I I I felt it was more important just to to uh, like be the glue in the company, kind of look and identify what what was missing, um, um, and then kind of work on that. Uh, it was a bit sad, like many, like at least for ten years since I started, maybe a bit less, eight years, I was still coding at home, like coding small projects and like kind of missing it a lot and thinking a lot about how to get back to it. Yeah. And I think after 10, eight, 10 years, I was kind of just saying, okay, this is, this is not my path in life anymore. I spent more time professionally kind of leading and uh, doing <laughs> CEO related stuff yeah. uh, too much. Again, I do that because what is, I don't know what it is like you're doing, right? Um, uh, but doing everything else that's needed for the company to run, uh, to create culture, to hire people, to get funding, to uh, form a plan and a vision. And uh, yeah. And uh, to be honest, be everywhere because uh, like before you get your marketing person, you need to sit down and write text before you, uh, yeah. Before you get hired a certain place, you need to do it yourself, right? Yep. Um, so, yeah. But today, like, um, I know yeah, the biggest... Mm -hmm. Sorry. Well, I mean, one of the biggest... Um, I, I mean, this applies to both of you. One, one of the biggest challenges as an engineer, especially when you're starting a project from scratch, is, 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 is building off a foundation rather than building the foundation from scratch. Um, there's definitely a period where uh, I felt, you know, Unreal and Unity didn't have as much, you know, uh, traction as now. I mean, it, it was during Gears of War days, everybody was using it. And then there was a period during PS4 where like everybody was relying on their own internal engine, like big AAA as well as indie. And then it mm -hmm. kind of returned back, you know, as development uh, cost was just unbearable, right? Um, what was your journey exactly where you felt like, you know, the end product, you were kind of speaking to it before 
is the final ideation, you know, is what's most important. I mean, what was that moment exactly where you're like, you know what? These are fine. <laughs> My value can be more unique, right? I don't have to recreate the will. Uh, what was that exact timing that that's made a, you decide that's that? That's a good question. Uh, I think, you know, when you bu you're building up something of your own, and uh, at the same time, you see this uh, alternative out there or several alternatives, and uh, you're building it, you're building it, and then you start um, building something creative on top of the technology that you have built, right? And uh, as you're doing that, you're, of course, exposed to, you know, news and, and, uh, and uh, you know, people are telling you, like, all the features that all these other technologies have. And slowly, you're, you're, you're noticing that, okay, if I, if I try to catch up with all this, I better focus on this and make this my business. So building the tech itself, not what I'm building on top of it. So of course there are edge cases and there are special uh, circumstances where that's totally okay. And a lot of people do that fantastically well. Uh, but for me personally, it uh, there was just this moment where I saw that, all right, let, let me try this this tool out, um, in particular Unity back then. I think it was like when Unity 1.1, 1.5 or something was out there. It was like uh, a year or two after they had launched. And and I saw, okay, that's, that's pretty cool. I thought this technology was pretty cool. And then I decided I'll, I'll give it a shot. And uh, it really it really helped. And it, it um, I, I felt that in the following years, what I was able to do far surpassed uh, what I would have been able to do with uh, had I been also focusing on the tech itself. And uh, it's a similar thing that, I mean, now with coherence, we're going back. So we're building the tech from the ground up, everything, the whole stack uh, we built ourselves. And uh, now we're the guys who are trying to enable this for, for other people, right? And uh, to come back to to just quickly to your previous question, because I uh, I thought of this as well. You know, like for for Dino, you said that for you it was uh, a few years ago, uh, like maybe many years ago, that you decided, okay, I'm gonna focus on on these things instead, not do the coding and stuff. For me, it's much more recent or immediate because I still do quite a lot of coding, but we both realized that the team we're building uh, is far better than we are and in so many things and and uh and then leveraging that uh but at the same time uh brandon you asked about your your craft uh, or craft i think one of the ways we 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 try to satisfy that is you know doing internal game jams with our own tech to get that creative thing out uh, uh also we have a lot of you know if if we look at at uh, our coworkers. Most of them are game developers, so they all want to make games as well, but we're making tech. So so in order to get that creativity out, we, we also do things like game jamming that helps, you know, make the product better in the end. Um, and um, yeah, I just wanted to say that, that realizing that surrounding yourself with people, people that are better than you also at, at very specific things uh, is, is the way to go if you want to grow anywhere. And not become a bottleneck uh, in the whole process. Yeah. One last question. I, I definitely want to jump to uh, coherence and, and learn more about that. Um, just to kind of end this this line of questioning. <laughs> uh, so, you know, from the first indie project that you guys made in your relative studios, you know, building the studios from scratch. Uh, how, what did you guys learn from success from those first projects and first studios, uh, and subsequently apply to what you guys have now, you know, um, being a serial studio creators, uh, I'm sure there was a lot of lessons learned from each place that of your careers, right? 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Do you ask how, what we learned from success? Yeah, yeah. From your first studio to now, you guys kind of went through... Um, different stages, right? Obviously the first one was all kind of crazy. You guys kind of learning on as you go. Second one, you had more confidence, third one, so on and so forth. Uh, what were the things that you were able to carry over and improve on uh, so that when you were hit the, hitting the ground running, uh, you weren't so much in, <laughs> in a confused state? I mean, for me, it was a lot about hiring. Mm-hmm. I think uh, hiring is, is really, really tough. Um, and I, I learned that the best people you can have have the, like the skill of uh, intrinsic motivation mm-hmm. um, and especially these online days I think is really important uh, if you don't have that it's so hard it's so hard you cannot uh, you know force a guide or lead people that want something else are not motivated to do something. Yeah. Um, and especially in this online world where like no, no coherence is remote. Um, you don't, you know, you don't see people every day. Uh, you, you, we see people every day, but we don't follow them every like uh, all hours of the day. Um, and just knowing and feeling and of course, uh, like that, uh, like that they, they are motivated uh, intrinsically. Um, obviously there's plans and we have a producer and you you can do stuff to check output but I still feel that the true quality and 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 like work out of the extraordinary is when people are motivated by themselves like one thing is telling them to do a job and they do it but another thing is that you tell them something they go back they research it they find out another a better way of doing it yeah. um and coming back with something that was better than you asked for because they kind of you know we 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 like we just hired a, a marketing person for the team and i love that i know this person is digging deep into the subject yeah. i would not be able to say all the details of what this work entails i mean i can guide and i can we can come up with a, a direction together but I cannot come up with uh, with every small step, and I, I think that's I, I learned that is really important, and I did that that failure many times. But the, the fun thing is, you know, your question was what I learned of success. But I feel that um, even though like uh, played it was successful, um, I still learned more of all the the mini failures, like all of the times where something didn't work, and I banged the head towards a wall it's where i learned the most and i sit down and i really when i fail i always try to figure out why and what i can improve where sometimes i feel with success you you kind of attribute the wrong things to your success which is maybe not the right thing and you actually don't know there's no way of testing it um yeah yeah and hindsight is 2020 right so mm-hmm. you're you're always uh your brain has a way of of making successes feel like it was all meant to be, or you planned for it, but it's sometimes it, it goes, it, it's just the way it turns out. And I, I, uh, yeah, I was going to say the same about, uh, failure. Cause one of the things that, that I, I, I saw not early enough, uh, was that, you know, we, we're in an industry that's really nice. So there's a lot of people willing to help. There's a lot of advice out there. People are not as competitive. Uh, 
in the same way as in different industries. So we're not trying to hide on as much as in other industries. And uh, there's a lot of advice that comes people's ways. Uh, also, you know, you, you end up reading business books, you end up reading books about, you know, startups and, and, and building studios and stuff like that. And often I remember early on feeling that, oh, but, you know, my, my, uh, my example is very different. My example is special. It doesn't apply to what these guys are saying. But then later I learned that, yeah, it does, you know, like very often, very often, a lot of these things can be generalized to a certain extent. You know, if you take it with a grain of salt, you can still benefit from the advice. And one of those is uh, to really focus uh, on what you're trying to achieve. Um, cool. Yeah, I, I think uh, it's a people business. The, the solutions and problems are the same. <laughs> it's people <laughs> and finding like the right people to kind of exponentially expand on an idea is, is still valuable. Uh, I do want to circle back later to the remote and versus in office thing later, but uh, I do want to talk and learn more about coherence. So how did this idea uh, come about? Mm -hmm. Um, so yeah, um, I mean, I was, I, I was actually in the middle of jump ship. Um, um, but I remember we went to a size and I hired some people around me at, at that, at that studio. So I was not so heavily loaded. Um, and, and by random chance, I, I, I went, uh, I, uh, ran into an old friend, uh, David Hickerson from unity. And we kind of had the same thought about like the industry. And I, I can remember, I, I said to him, I, I think unity, they got too little credits. The unity, unity has just changed the gaming space so much. And everybody, they say like the mobile was, you know, a, a huge boom. The mobile would never have been that boom without Unity because without the content, it would not have kind of uh, yeah, exploded so much as it did. Um, and I don't know, we we just went down a path of like thinking about what's the next thing for game, what's the next thing for games, what was it that Unity did, and and obviously what Unity did was um, commoditizing a network engine, and it it they made it super super easy to make games. Uh, for even the small developers, um, and I know slowly the thought goes went to what's what's next for games, and obviously it's multiplayer, right? Everything needs to get more real time. Every popular game has some real time components. Um, interaction with other people is what you often remember from games. Uh, so we, the first thesis was just that if we can make it extremely easy to make a multiplayer game. We would lower the barrier entry and we would thereby also create a new revolution within games again. Um, and that was kind of the, the starting point. Um, uh, yeah. Not, yeah. Not long after we, we kind of, uh, we kind of got today involved um, and, and rest is, rest is history. <laughs> yeah. For me, uh, as I said before, uh, just recognizing what uh, what this kind of what what easy to use tools can do uh, for uh, for uh, creators, the magical thing like uh, imagining. So if you if you look at the multiplayer space now, where are we? Uh, multiplayer is still very hard. Um, people are um, afraid of it. Like we, we, we talk to, you know, we talk to streamers like you, we, we talk to game jammers, we talk to everybody and people are afraid of multiplayer. Mm -hmm. And, uh, one of the things that, um, that we're very passionate about is, is, uh, kind of removing that fear. And, and, uh, I think we've done it and, um, with, uh, we've done a couple of, um, uh, game jams, uh, where people who had never made multiplayer games before. We're now able to do it in a weekend, which is, which I think is pretty amazing. And then you can see, you know, all the different places people are coming from creatively and, and what they can achieve if you just give them the right tool set to do it. And, um, 
so we 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 looked at the multiplayer space uh we looked at uh everything from you know um session based games to big mmos and uh first of all what are they like tech wise what are, what are the common denominators here uh and also like what things are being done well and what things are being done this way just because they have always been done this way and uh, for the fir- former uh we of course adopted all the uh, optimization techniques everything like it's the 90s like bandwidth is super small uh and um, and really came up with an engine that you can build anything on uh and for the latter uh we saw that in the whole process of making a multiplayer player game there can be amazing innovation <laughs> and uh and uh, we really the benefit of us building it from the ground up is that we now came uh, with an engine and a tool set that is both powerful enough to build an MMO um, and simple, to, easy to use enough uh, to build, uh, you know, a simple mobile multiplayer game or a multiplayer game for any platform. Yeah. I mean, I, I can be, I can definitely speak to that. I mean, I, Mostly developed, you know, in the AAA space, worked on several multiplayer projects. I come from environment art background, so I'm I'm used to making levels for both single player and multiplayer. But that side is beyond that is mystery and magic to me. I was like, I don't know or understand. It's not the first tutorial I even open when I try to learn an engine like Unreal Unity. It's not... It doesn't seem reachable, right? Uh, there's no magic button that allows me to kind of just get it. And, you know, beyond that, the optimization to kind of make it work. Uh, there's definitely like a huge development. Sorry, real quick. Sorry. <laughs> I wanted to jump off that. Yeah. I just said, imagine imagine that solo developer. If you look at uh, like some creative talent as uh, Lucas Pope, you know, that did uh, Papers, Please. He's done so many crazy, amazing games. He has such an amazing brain. Uh, it's always new ways of interaction. I would love to see somebody like him or a small team experiment. I feel like uh, right now it's it's only the bigger companies that have enough manpower to build their own yeah. network stack that build games. And the games that come out of it are so boring. Yeah. I mean, Ubisoft games, sorry to say, they're so boring <laughs> the multiplayer parts are so boring it's uh it's it, I, I really want to see small medium companies uh thrive here and an example i always give is that uh today today I mentioned it a bit but that that 15 years ago people would would reject unity they would they would they would they would build their own stack they would not like rely on something else but if you ask people today who would build their own engine first and I, I, I think it's the same with network tech. Why would you in three, five years build your own network stack? Like when we, we take everything that has been proven for the last uh, 20 years and we put into a package and we connect it with the cloud and you can do any type of architecture. There's actually no reason for you to build the stack from new. Maybe if you're a big company, 300 people, you want to own the whole stack. I mean, you maybe also build your own engine. I understand that. But like a small to medium company, uh, like you should like you should get multiplayer in, in, into your game somehow. That's, that's, that's how I feel. Mm-hmm. There's definitely a dawn of um, indie teams, small to medium size, have been so uh, empowered like the last decade. You know, the, the, the tools that you guys with Coherence and many other are like Unreal or everything else is becoming more accessible. They're free, right? All the mm. way to basically the publishing uh on on steam or even epic you know if you have an idea that's doable and the tools allow to do things that were seems like a big undertaking for a small team but now it's like 10 people can output something like a six or person team used to do right and uh yeah multiplayer is still like a a, a big it, it seems like it was a 
a tool for the bigger dogs for a while, right? <laughs> uh, when you're developing a studio, multiplayer is not the first thing you think of. I was like, hey, let's take it slow. <laughs> let's do a single player experience linear if possible. Just trying to get this out of there. But like, you're right. It, it really cuts out a lot of the great ideas that these indie teams are known for. Their smaller teams are, are capable. You know, the innovation that we're routinely kind of outputting here uh, it, it, because of just a tool right um that is not another thing is also that that uh, what is also like the norm in development is that you build your single player first and then you slap on multiplayer yeah and when you do it this way you always get a certain type of multiplayer Uh, and we actually we actually had a customer that that started out uh, with us and they started out single player and i said to them like do you have the option now to go in and already now, if your game surrounds about multiplayer, which it did, you just do all the iteration now. Start with multiplayer. Like start finding out how you work together instead of doing your single player game and then putting on multiplayer afterwards. And you get a, they, you get a totally other game because you can think in a totally other way. You can iterate on the interactions rather than iterating on gameplay and then put some interactions on afterwards. Yeah. Yeah, and one of the benefits of making it uh, much more accessible is not, it's not just to give these very small teams uh, the ability to work with it or individuals, but also in, in larger teams, you get more people, you know, uh, with with Unity, with Unreal, we've seen, we now see much more overlap um, yeah. between what systems uh, certain people are working on right designers artists uh, coders audio like everybody is using the same uh is has an overlap in this engine and the tools connected to the engine and uh we want to see that with multiplayer as well you know like the who's the person who's gonna uh, make sure that the interactions in uh in multiplayer are fun it's a designer not a coder right so so we want to give uh designers uh, also artists uh the ability to make changes inside the multiplayer space and in interactions and and all that kind of stuff i think it's super important that 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 this barrier to entry to everything multiplayer is lowered so that we can actually end up seeing more creative and and uh a ballsy, you know, products in the multiplayer space. I can say that, right? Yeah, yeah. Ball, ball <laughs> out with all your terminology. <laughs> like, yeah. go ahead. No, no, you know. go ahead. Well, I mean, like, uh, you know, we all went through the pandemic, right? We saw a huge increase on, I think we're still dealing with the fallout of people trying to connect more than ever still. Uh, a lot of people are working remotely. Um, I do see a slight resurgence with single player games, weirdly enough, the last, you know, maybe it has to do with all the Resident Evil remakes, but there's like <laughs> this weird, like past year and upcoming year of like a lot of single player games. So, you know, it's one of those, like, you know, the pendulum swinging back a bit, but I, multiplayer is still dominant, right? In everybody's preference. It's just fun to play with friends. It's just more meaningful. Um, I mean, when I, when I talk about doing actions, uh, one of my both favorite games, but also best examples in this space is kind of Journey. Yeah. Like Journey is a single player game, but when you ask people about the experience, most people mention like the friend they met in there mm. uh, and people felt very connected to this game because they met a person. Uh, and they follow them around, and you know they you lost you lost they lost them at one point or whatever. There's this story with another person, and that's whenever I ask people about it, that that's like what they mention. And I feel like right now we have single player, which is you go from uh, A to Z, and that's the experience. Or you have multiplayer, where you wait in a lobby, and there's a countdown, and you go, and then you play. Right? Yeah. I I I can also see there's 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 hybrid game coming up coming up where you you do single player but people have more tools to make somebody cross your path um, in some ways you know you see people on the other side of the river like there could be other just subtle ways of integrating that there's life in the world and you're not alone and you play with others and i just feel that would make single player game so much stronger and i don't feel that these that, that needs to be hard 
to do yeah. that. Mm-hmm. Even though I, you know, I I love single player games. I I it of course it's very very deep to my heart. That some of the best experiences I had single player games, but the games I return to are multiplayer games. Um, they don't have the same deep story uh, usually because it's 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 different. But uh, that's where I I I play with others. I play with my kids. I I kind of there's replayability in another way, and I feel those things could could be combined. Yeah, uh, definitely. I, I think you know playing with a friend through experience just multiplies the experience always. Like I, you know, I'm guilty of playing Warzone, but even like connecting with strangers, right? I have much more fun when I'm just playing with a friend on a squad. <laughs> you know, there's just something, an added element of like, let's play through this experience together and, and figure this out. I have to ask you guys, you know, I mean, the buzz has gotten down a bit. Pandemic kind of, uh, kind of uh, amped up, you know, all these crazy ideas that I feel like died out, you know, the the blockchain, decentralized multiplayer, all these kind of crazy <laughs> investor things. Uh, uh, the metaverse is still sticking around. I, I would love to kind of hear you guys' thoughts because it's kind of within the field. Have you guys even, were you guys like, from the programs I talk to, they always laugh about that and have really strong opinions against it. <laughs> but I want to hear what your thoughts as this was happening, you know, yeah. I, I'm guessing during the development of Coherence. You know how this was happening a bit later later it was like the the last two years we've been talking about metaverse right a lot of people are excited about it and i mean everybody like who doesn't like uh you know 3d environments where you can do all sorts of things uh but we as a company very early on you could see you know people sharing so most of uh, you can imagine what the opinion, general opinion in the company is. If you imagine that most of the people are the game developers inside mm-hmm. of it, mm-hmm. so it's it was not we're not uh, really wants to jump on the hype train uh, yeah. when it comes to all that, uh, but we do see you know certain potential in certain areas. Uh, but I would not you know um, use blockchain just for the sake of using blockchain or, you know, the whole idea of um, liberating the items from the hands of the big publishers and stuff like that. Yeah. Those are interesting ideas, but are they really things that players are uh, hoping for, you know, like yeah. all sorts of sorts of things. So, so I don't think this, the, these trends dying down has not affected us at all. Basically. What do you think, Dino? No, I mean, the need for deep human connection would never disappear, and that will—that's that—that's what kind of we're basing our our business on, right? If these these trends came up, I mean, I I never understood NFT, and I don't think, yeah, I don't know. It's definitely uh, dead. <laughs> you know, you know what the people would say, like crypto bros would say, "Good luck being poor." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it's such a, I, I mean, I, it's, it, I did this, we have too little time for me to, be, for me to really dig deep into it. Mm. Uh, I just, I just feel in general that data, you know, it was, we have the physical world, then the computers came and, and data showed us that you could have something and you can copy and you have double the amount of data and you can have free things. And there was like, you know, the whole, Napster thing and data was free and like and now we're trying with with algorithms to limit data and we're not really uh, the whole way NFT works technically is that you just put in a ledger that you own a link to some place on the internet which don't really have any value I don't know I I I think this is will never really catch on and I think when you use it in game people that try to use them in games have misunderstood what games is about. I think a secure ledger could be a tool you can use for something. I don't think anybody has found out a good way to use it yet. Um, but the people, like the games that surround that, I don't, I don't know. I don't, I don't think they'll ever take off really. Not, not because they had NFTs. If they're also building a good game, they will, they will take off. Um, I think even regardless if it does or doesn't, uh, where so. Having been in the games industry for for a while now, 
we see like the hardest thing to do is to get players interested in anything. Yeah. Right. This is hard. Like um, getting, getting players, getting users into your product is, is a hard thing to do. And there's such competition for attention. We have, you know, not only games, we have Netflix, we have HBO, we have all these networks, everything is fighting over play, uh, over users attention. And, uh, the motivation behind a lot of these initiatives has has been elsewhere, right? It's been like, okay, I will build this system and then we will create some crappy interaction that we will hope people will come in and use it. And a lot of the motivational loops behind it have been financially motivated uh, and not so much motivated by where the fun is. And I think, you know, if we can get things that, that are fun and people are really engaged with and, and still use these technologies here, yeah, why not? Uh, but so far, I haven't seen uh, anything that would excite me very much, to be honest. Yeah, from everyone I talk to, uh, especially engineers, like all that tech, right, tech during the pandemic, uh, they weren't solving a, a problem we were trying to solve. They were trying mm. to just wedge into investor uh, situations. You know, uh, there was like a good period that I was talking to a bunch of people and they're like, it's hard to sell an idea without like jamming that those things in. It's just the buzzword right now around Silicon Valley, right? Yeah. Thankfully, it's died down by its own death. <laughs> I don't think anyone <laughs> has talked about yeah. it. There's a lot of, you know, uh, people's feet in their own mouth about it. Um, and uh, to me, it was good riddance. It was fun. Maybe it gave birth. I, I think the most optimistic thing I've heard about is that it maybe spawn like another idea that could be useful, right? That it was more a transitional thing, but I haven't really heard much else about it since then. Um, I do yeah. want to ask this. Uh, this is kind of like a... I mean, the focus this year on the podcast, it's affecting anyone. I mean, colleagues of your own discipline created AI <laughs> related tools this year. I always want to hear you guys' opinion. I mean, programmers for the longest time, we always, you know, as artists, we were always like, yeah, you know, we don't need you or programmers are like coming out with Minecraft. It's like, we don't need artists. And then literally <laughs> created a tool where, you know, it's, I think it's one of the biggest crisis, however you want to look at it, a benefit crisis, uh, mm -hmm. in, in game development tools and, and, and just game development overall. I would love to kind of hear you guys thoughts on, as you guys are watching this, like, what are you thinking will transpire? Um, as tool creators, you know, how you think this is going to be useful or not. I uh, go, ahead. Just go ahead today. No, you go ahead. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's a touchy I subject. Last time. Yeah. So, yeah. No, I, I, I see great potential in AI. Yeah. And I say that, and then I see like, you know, the first five, game that implements AI in an annoying way yeah. where they generate text and do very uh, boring dungeons based on AI and so yeah, on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I don't know. It's I, I it's 100%. I, I think AI is here to stay. It's, yeah. it's in another ballpark. But we still need to figure out how to use it. And I don't think it will replace uh, I need to watch now. It will replace some people's work, yeah. for sure. Um, I don't think it will replace like the. If you're an athlete, you know the greatest motivator of all is the fear of letting your teammates down. After all, a team is only as good as its weakest link. So you owe it to those wearing the same jersey as you to be your best every time you step on the field. That's why there's no vape in team. When you vape. You can expose your lungs to toxic chemicals that can damage your lungs. If you're a step behind, the team's a step behind. Brought to you by The Real Cost and the FDA. You will definitely going to replace a lot of jobs. <laughs> I, 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 so I don't, I don't think the good games will get better. Yeah. I think the bad games will get worse. 
Yes. <laughs> Can I say that? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and there'll be more of them. There'll be more worse games, but this the really good games will still be crafted by humans for a while. Yeah. Mm. I think um, it's certainly disruptive. Uh if I think about, you know, our work, you know, if you think about coding, if you think about art, if you think about design, um even sound design like like things like that a lot of the uh more boring work can certainly be accelerated yeah. people can also get inspiration much faster yeah um i think you know i i feel for for uh, i see a lot of artists uh complaining about you know uh, these uh, models basically sucking all the original art yeah. and rehashing it, right? Yeah, I feel for those. I think if there's a way to solve that, we should definitely try to solve that as well, uh, address it in some way. Um, but in general, I think it's uh, accelerating creativity is is where I see this going. Even in coding, I can see, you know, you can... You can ask ChatGPT today to write you a method in a specific programming language to solve a specific thing. You know, like, oh, you have two arrays, uh, you know, pair them uh, or or uh, align them uh, based on, you know, the nearest possible value, write the algorithm. And then you can basically copy paste that uh, into your code. Um, granted, very often it still doesn't work because uh, there's, there's certain limitations there, but this is, you know, a stepping stone. Yeah. Um, and I think, uh, I think where, where they're going to see a lot of challenges and are seeing a lot of challenges already is education. How do you make sure that students um, are actually going through the process and learning something along the way <laughs> and not just, you know, like going like to the next level of abstraction. Yeah. Like we, we still, as uh, I think as humans, we need to stay remain capable of doing things on our own. Yeah. Um, you know, if we have no electricity, for instance. Um, but I think in general, uh, I mean, it's a, it's a big step forward. It's like, you know, getting those beefy calculators uh, back in the day in school. Uh, but a uh, hundred times that. Yeah. I, I think, um, I think the gap definitely will widen between the efficient and the lazy. Uh, I really do feel the tools that come out will empower for those who are really good at creatively outputting their ideas. Mm -hmm. And then the lazy people are, are just not going to edit or, you know, uh, subtly change anything um, that the computer or AI model is giving them, uh, both for R or Jet GPT. So, hmm. uh, there's definitely, I think, the, I, I do feel the vigilant people who are hardworking will definitely bear the fruits of all these AI models that accelerate you know, what they're trying to share with the world. Um, there's definitely a disruption. There's definitely a lot of jaws. Like he said, I, I think that we're repetitive. Uh, it's going to be race. There is a crisis with teach. I, I have college friends that are, are t uh, teachers in colleges and yeah, students just straight up like bragging about how they're getting hundreds for everything. Right. Mm -hmm. Uh the educational system needs to pause, in my opinion, to kind of uh, combat how, why, and justify why, why is it even necessary to go to college at this point or pay for education? But only well, maybe maybe you can send send the same thing back to Chad GPT and ask, yeah. did you and write as, this? like come, did you come up with this? the curriculum? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that actually the only time I like um the Khan Academy, I, I don't know, you guys are familiar with that. It's like an online um educational system. You know, it's basically Khan Academy for cons or yeah, yeah, K H A N. Yeah, yeah from oh, okay, okay. From kindergarten to college courses, you know, it's it's an affordable way for worldwide students to to go online and, and learn these mm. subjects that people pay a lot of money for. They're integrating ChatGPT, and the way they're doing it is kind of like an AI uh, tutor. 
right? So instead of like, if you ask, you know, give me the answer to this, it walks you through of solving these abstraction uh, as as if like a personalized 24-7 tutor. So like teachers are definitely going going to have to combat against that. But mm. it was the first time, I think, relatively pretty quickly, I saw like, ah, now this is someone who sees what's going on and is accelerating and maximizing, you know, which pretty much is a smaller team, right? They're not like a huge university or anything. Uh, I think but they're I think like a nonprofit. Yeah. As an individual, you have to decide, do I want to use this tool to better myself and become a better version of myself or do I want to cheat and not yeah. become better and to just myself, let it replace yeah. me? And you, I think you have that choice still. Maybe at one point you don't have that choice, uh, but you still have that choice uh, to to use it as a tool instead of just, you know, make it deliver something and and that you learned nothing, you just deliver that and you get uh, whatever, a good grade. Yeah. Uh, and you come out learning nothing, uh, learning nothing. I think that that's going to go, what's going to define who's going to go above uh, or below, like that line of yeah. of being. What's it called? If they, if the people who does the second thing go, come out and get a job, yeah. then ChatGPT will actually be better than them the, <laughs> doing their mm-hmm. job. Yeah, um, it's. Uh, I love that. Uh, similar to what you said about uh, Khan Academy. Sorry, I didn't understand you uh, earlier. Um, no uh, about the name, but, um, you know, people are using chat GPT to practice for, uh, job interviews. Yeah. Uh, so, oh, they make chat GPT act as a, you know, oh, marketing director, uh, is interviewing me for this and this job. And just, you know, like the company is doing this and then getting questions. And I think that, you know, that's an example of how it can be really, really uh, helpful and actually improve your knowledge, improve your readiness, improve your uh, efficiency kind of. But I agree with you that the lazy are gonna get lazier, yeah. uh, to be honest. And uh, there's there's certainly a risk, risk of that. Uh, I, I t- but that's, I talk- that's the case with every Sorry. technology. People thought that the newspaper and radio would ruin uh, humanity, right? Yeah. I talked to a colleague, for, a colleague for, from industry recently, and he said, you know, a lot of his work is emails and uh, documents. And he said, I will, after ChatGPT, I've decided I will never write a first draft of anything anymore. Yeah. And that improved my efficiency. And I, I kind of thought about starting that and seeing if how it works. Um, I've tried it a bit. And sometimes what ChatGPT writes leads me down a path I don't want to go down and limits my thoughts sometimes. Yeah. Uh, but I can see if there's some standard stuff, standard legal documents, standard, maybe standard emails that you could, uh, that, that are longer. You can get ChatGPT to just come up with the first revision and, and maybe many times it's okay. And for your productivity, to, to productivity to stuff that's not, doesn't matter. Uh, maybe that's fine just to save time. Yeah. I, I'm thinking, you know, to kind of circle back to what you were talking about at the beginning is like, you know, when you're uh, building up a studio, you're just trying to figure out what's my value that is unique, right? And concentrating on that. And I think people individually are, are starting to find that out uh, in, you know, in their personal life, like using ChatGPT as a, like a personal assistant, but also like, you know, in mid journey or all these AI art prompt machines, right? Like where do I uniquely fit into this picture uh, and spend less time doing, you know, the laborious stuff where I think the idea of putting 10,000 hours into something is quickly dying <laughs> to an extent <laughs> and it needs to be reshaped or that guy needs to come up with a new book to update. But, um, it, you know, I think overall it, it's definitely a, an evolution of how we want to spend our time and, and force people to not just get by. There was one alarming thing that I saw, and this is where I feel AI is going to help us kind of, uh, face that dilemma better is that, you know, there's, New generation, Gen Z in particular, I saw an article how parents are emphasizing less on success, meaning like, hey, you don't, we don't want our kid to be Jeff Bezos or work that hard. Like they should 
I mean, to to certain degree, I agree, but I feel like they're just going in the wrong direction where happiness at whatever you're doing should be key. Like working at, you know, Amazon, no, no hate on Amazon or like, you know, all these kind of like uh, less um, skilled jobs, right? Uh, that doesn't need a diploma or anything is like emphasizing that those are fine as long as you're happy. But the reality is they're pushing their kids in these industries that they're being replaced by robots and AI. It's like, and we're seeing it across the board that these jobs are being laid off every quarter to the 10,000. But this is like the result of the pandemic too. A lot of people are coming out of it. Uh, prioritizing happiness over hard work and skill, right? Which I feel is a very, this is not the time to be doing that <laughs> yeah. with all this new but tech I, coming out. Yeah. So I also feel it's hard to give advice to everybody. Yeah. You cannot give a general advice because I mean, there will be some people replaced by this. I, I can give advice to that. I don't know. 10, 20% that want to, be stay beyond yeah, stay beyond the curve and and use like yeah use this ai like use ais to better yourself and just be a better version of yourself and there will always be there'll always be need for humans but yeah. i i don't know if will there, will there be need will there be need for all humans yeah yeah, yeah. chat gpt disagrees in the chat uh, i mean we have to talk uh, <laughs> we have to talk uh, what's it called speak well about chat gpt because if this gets transcribed yeah and skynet takes over uh, yeah. we want to be on, be on, on their the good right side, side. Big, yeah. fan, Chad, <laughs> yeah, big fan chat gpt big fan long time fan but i, I yeah. think also uh i mean if you want to get slightly political i think having a strong social um system some kind of safety net can help uh, people adapt yeah. if times change and jobs change and, and stuff like that because certainly people can adapt but they need time to find you know wh what is it that wh where is the unique value that you can keep uh keep adding uh in general mm -hmm. um, fantastic so uh, we're we're about an hour. Right? I do want to have one more question before I kind of hand over the mic. Uh, we're talking about advice, right? What advice do you have for aspiring game developers out there who are trying to get in? Might be an indie developer uh, looking to expand. Anything? Uh, what would you say? Just kind of point them in the right direction in, in this, you know, trying, uh, exciting time. I would say keep your first project simple and focus on what makes you unique, you yourself unique, and uh, just double down on that. Uh, simple, don't overscope, and uh, and try to uh, get it out. Uh, I think the, the, one of the hardest things in, in the games industry is finishing things. All of us have started a million different things and never, yeah. never finished them. So yeah. Uh, yeah, I would focus on that. Definitely. I could not say it better. That was a heck of what I thought. Scope and focus on what you're good at. I mean, there's so many generalists. I mean, you know, if you're a generalist, you maybe become the CEO, but... <laughs> no, no, I think it's really important just to always, like dig, dig deep, like uh, whatever you're good at, just dig deep in that. And yeah, scope, especially for a first project. I mean, the first project is always, uh, it is, yeah. How can I say this without repeating you today? Whatever today said. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, that, that sums up our time. Uh, I want to, you know, kind of at this point, hand over the mic to kind of, uh, if you guys can point the listeners how they can find you, learn more about you guys, about the project you guys are working on, uh, this is the time for you guys to kind of freely talk about that and I shut up. So go ahead. Do you want to go today? Sure. Um, so Coherence is live right now. Uh, you can go to Coherence.io, coherence.io, 
and sign up for a free account. You can use it to make your first or second or 10th uh, multiplayer game. Uh, it is definitely the easiest way uh, to make multiplayer games, uh, but uh, also uh, a very powerful make to make multiplayer games. In June, uh, we're also planning our 1.0 release, um, which will come with a lot of exciting uh, new stuff. So Coherence is not only uh, a network engine and an SDK, but also a managed hosting solution with automatic scaling. Uh, and, uh, of course, uh, we have free plans. We have paid plans for that, but in June, we're even releasing a self-hosted plan where you pay nothing, uh, for your game and you'll, you'll be able to self-host your game, uh, and run it, uh, as much as you want, um, with, um, and, um, one, one important thing to mention there, uh, is that, uh, the way most indie game developers go about multiplayer games is that in the beginning, you're afraid of all the costs uh, associated with uh, cloud hosting. So imagine you have a game like uh, Deep Rock Galactic. I even have, a, let me show you to plug them. I just got today this board game from Deep Rock Galactic, which is pretty cool. Uh, so Deep Rock Galactic is a game that uh, has uh, self-hosted multiplayer. It means that when we're playing together, one of us is uh, hosting all the data for everything we do, all our progress and everything. Uh, but we can never invite more than a certain number of people. Uh, but let's say we launch, you launch your game uh, in that model uh, and you don't have any online system, you're not paying for servers or anything. And then the game, uh, and you have no risk launching it like that. And the game uh, takes off. Uh, and you want, uh, now you finally have money uh, to expand it. And uh, then you can seamlessly transition from this self-hosted model to a managed model where you can have, have hundreds of players in the game. Uh, and, uh, you know, a few years go by and this game is now old. They don't want to support it anymore, but there's some, you know, diehard fans that still want to play it online. And you can transition back to the self-hosted model. So we really, we give developers all the control, uh, with, we give developers, um, all complete freedom to decide, you know, how they want to manage their game projects. Um, we're going to have a bunch of other, uh, exciting features like floating origin, where you're going to be able to simulate worlds, you know, from here to Mars with a, a millimeter, um, precision, uh, we have Unreal support on our roadmap right now. Unity is our primary uh, engine that we support. Uh, and if you go to coherence.io, you will also find a video that uh, we made that shows you how you can take a single player game and make it multiplayer in less than five minutes. Awesome, man. This is exciting. On, on behalf of all the listeners, but on behalf of the prospects of any developers, developers that want to turn their game into multiplayer. Uh, I want to thank you guys for coming on. It was awesome uh, learning from you guys' experience, opinions about what's going on. Uh, thank you. Thank you so much, guys. Thanks for thank having you. us, Brennan. Right yeah. Anytime. All right. See you guys all next week. 